this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 7, and this is Solomon writing, and he starts out and he says, Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. And give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, I believe he's alerting us to certain uh, realities here that can easily tempt us to get away from God. And if you'll know what he said there, neither poverty nor riches. He goes on to say, feed me with the food allotted to me. This refers to our daily needs. Actually, you can find that. Same passage there in uh, Matthew 6, 11 in the Lord's Prayer. He said, give me my daily bread here, Lord. And then he says, least I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? So he's given us both sides of the extremes. And he says right here in this passage, this is an area of greed. And a lot of times when people get so much money, you know what their thought is? I don't need God. I don't need God at all. And then he jumps over and says, or least I be poor and steal, and I profane the name of my God. This side flips all the way over to need. One deals with greed, one deals with need. Now, once again, when you look at what Solomon's saying here, guys, I believe he's, he's not saying how much money you have. Rather, once again, whose money is it? Or how much money has you? What's dominating you or what's controlling you? And Solomon understood the trap of finances. That if I swing this far, I'm going to get in trouble. But if I swing this far. And so that's why I believe it's important that we allow the Lord to bless us on his timetable. That we prove ourselves and we prove ourselves. And you know what? You just keep remaining faithful. But I'll tell you guys right now, if, if you get more than you're ready to handle, it'll knock you out. I've seen it happen. So get a hold of this and say, Father God, I just look to you. I'm trusting in you. And God is the God who, who, who he blesses us. The blessings come from the grace of God, but they also come from the faithfulness to obey his word. So in both of those words, thank you, Father God, for gracing us, but I, I'm going to be faithful with what you've told me to do. Now let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you, Father God, for everything you've given us. And Lord, I thank you right now that money doesn't control any of us, but Father God, it's just a tool. Just a tool to advance your kingdom here. And Lord, I pray blessings on all under my voice tonight. Bless their hands. Everything they put their hand to do, bless them, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking a lot about different things, the fear of the Lord, you know, the spirit of fear. But I, I've kind of gotten over a little bit, a little bit different, just talking about there's a cost for us to serve God, Okay. For, is, is salvation free? It is free. But there is a cost, and you know what that is? I'm going to have to give up some things of this earth to serve God. He tells us, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. Now open with me tonight to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. As you're turning there, let me, let me quote this. This is called a Chinese proverb I heard the other day. And it says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. But if the first step is never taken, nothing else really matters. 
And as I read that, you know what? I, I thought the same thing even with the kingdom of God. You know what? I can know to pray, but if I don't pray, it doesn't do me no good. I can know to give, but if I don't give, it does me no good. I can know to get in the Word on a daily basis, but if I don't do it, it does me no good. And so right here, this fits even to the thing spiritually. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to do it. Now let's look here and dig in. And I believe God's going to bless you tonight. And you know, I had some people the other day say to me, do you always read this much Scripture? And I said, I do. Because we're told, preach the Word. Because this isn't about my preaching ability one bit. It's about the Word of God, okay? I can't fix any of you. I can't even fix myself. But this is the key right here, and that's why I'm going to go with a lot of Scripture, okay? I'm going to give you a bunch of Scripture. I hope you overdose on Scripture tonight. I mean that in a good way. Philippians 3, verse 12. Apostle Paul talking, he said, Not that I have already attained, am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Now, this should be my passion, guys, right here. To press on. Now, think just a little bit about the word press on. That, that tells me that this isn't some easy believism. That it's just not going to happen. Press on. Press on. And this means, guys, I, I, I can't give up. And I'll be honest with you, there's times in my own life that it, it seems like giving up would be easier than standing up. And giving in would be a, a lot more attractive than digging in. But something happens right here, guys, when I begin to press into the things of God. And that word press there, guys, it tells me it's going to take some effort. Now, he says press into what? Well, when you look there in verse 12, he says that I have not already been perfected. The ultimate goal for each one of us is perfection. And to get to the place of perfection, it's going to require death, of my ego, perfection uh, regardless of my difficulties, also in spite of my cost, guys. No matter what the cost is, i got to keep pressing on. To this thing called perfection. Keep reading with me, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or laid hold of, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me, reaching forward to those things which are ahead of me. Now, Paul right here, guys, he's telling us, I, I can't look backwards. And when you study the apostle Paul's life, guys, man, he had a horrible a, a past. And he had done miserable things to people and stuff, but he understood this, as long as I keep looking in the rearview mirror of life, it's going to handicap my future. Okay? And every one of us in here, guys, we've got a before Christ. Before we got born again, but if I, I continue to focus on my past, I'm never going to attain. Now, you know how I like to say it? Yesterday's over, tomorrow's not here, so all I got's today. And in that arena, I got to make my today's count. Ever today, man, make your today's count. Verse 14, and look what he gets over again here. I press toward the goal. I press toward it. 
the goal for the prize of the upward call. One of it says the heavenly call. Again, you see right here, he says press. I can't just go along with what's popular. I can't go along with what's easy, okay? But I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so the perfection he's talking about to press on toward is to be Christ-like. It's to keep going. And, you know, in the kingdom of God, guys, there's no such thing as a free ride. There's not going to be a free ride. Let me ask you this. Does the only thing in your life that resembles Jesus is that you say, I'm a Christian? The only thing that resembles Jesus in your life is you say, well, I go to church. I'm thinking, guys, we've got to get to the place where people look and they say, man, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. you you're Christ-like. What a compliment for that to be said. Now, go to your, your right, just a page or two, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So, what am I telling Guys, we've got to press on. Press on. Keep running the race. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing in there. Colossians 3, verse number 1. If you then were raised with Christ to a new life, being born again, he says, seek or aim at those things which are above, the eternal treasures where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So he's given me some insight here, guys. And, and once again, there's a word that jumps out to me. There in, in Philippians, the word press really jumped out to me. We're going to have to pray. Right here, the word seek. The word seek. You know what that means? We're going to have to do some digging. We're going to have to get busy, he's telling me. It's just not going to be uh, uh, automatic. He tells us in verse 2, Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Verse 3, For you died to sin or that sinful nature, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ in, in, in Jesus. Verse 4. When Christ, who is also our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, look what he says here in verse 5. After he tells us all this, he says, Therefore, put to death your members, alive shaped by your, your, your feelings. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, or greed, which is idolatry. And so he begins to tell us, i got to put to death these things that are self-indulgence. In order to go for the things of God, these things have got to die. If not, they're going to keep me from getting there. I don't care who you are. And so the Apostle Paul begins to warn us here on some things. Now, I always want to just really touch on this a little bit. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Back to your left, just a few books. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in this passage right here, you're going to find out that the, the Bible is very clear here that there are three types of man. There's three types of man. And every one of us in this room are going to fall into one of these categories, okay? 1 Corinthians, let's, let's start in chapter 2, verse 9. 
But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What a promise. Woo, we hadn't entered into none of that yet. But God has revealed him to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, if you'll note right there in verse 11, he says right here, no one knows the things of man except the spirit of man. When we talk about the spirit of man, guys, we're talking about our heart. You know, our spirit is the thing that will live eternally. This thing you're looking at right here is what I like to refer to as my earth suit. You won't go to heaven with this dude right here, okay? That's why when people die, they bury this thing or they cremate this thing. But my spirit lives on. So he's talking about here, when we get born again, God comes on the inside of us and he recreates our heart. How many of you notice when you got born again, he didn't give you a new body? And that fixed dieting real quick. I'd be getting born again every week. Give me a full set of hair now, praise the Lord. Let's get born again. Let's get our hair back, amen? That's not what happens. So he tells us here, the spirit of man is, is how the spirit of God deals with us. Actually, in Romans uh, 8, 8, 12, 8, 14, right in there, it says, the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God, Okay. So the way that we communicate in the spirit realm is when we give our heart to Jesus. Right here, we see the spirit man. Keep reading, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given us to by God. So how are the things that have been given to us going to be revealed through the Holy Spirit? He's the teacher. He said, man, I'm going to come and I'm going to teach you the things. Now, he clarifies some stuff in here. Keep reading with me. Verse uh, 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, here's the second one, the spiritual man, the second one, the natural man. Now, listen to what he says about the natural man here. He said, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. How many of you have ever looked at the things of God as foolish? Man, I did for years of my life. I'd say to people, why do you go to church? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Because you know what? It was all foolishness to me. And when I got born again, I had guys say to me those things. You mean you would give 10% of your money to God? Yeah. Why? That's stupid. That's a car payment. Because it's foolishness to man. And he goes on to say, Nor can he know them because they are only spiritually discerned. So we see two men, guys. The man that's given his heart to Jesus and gets born again. And the natural man. The natural man does not want nothing to do with God. Keep reading. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. Okay? Now, chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to see the third man here. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as the babes in Christ. The third type of man is the carnal man. That word carnal, guys, means they're dominated by their flesh. And you know what a carnal man is? He's a man that has been born again, but has never got rid of the things of the flesh. Just exactly what we were talking about a minute ago in Colossians 3. One of the ways we grow spiritually, man, we've got to get rid of these things of our flesh. So look what he goes on to say to us. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Who do you feed milk to? A baby. Look what he goes on to say. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. So this is an outright confrontation to believers about their shallowness of the Word of God. Now obvious, every one of us, when we get born again, we start out as babies. God doesn't expect us to be any different. The problem is, is when believers stay babies. I've been born again for 50 years, 50 years of my life, but I'm still wearing kingdom pampers around. Now you know how foolish that would look? I mean, if we came in here tonight and you were able to look at me and say, dang, pastor needs to get some new diapers. Or if, if we were able to look at one another and some of you are sitting out there with pacifiers in your mouth, we think, grow up. And you see how stupid it looks, but this is the reality of what he's dealing with. He said, you're still babies. That's the carnal man. Keep reading. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal or ruled by your flesh, behaving like mere men? So you know what he compares us to? The natural man. The man that's not even born again. Verse 4. For one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Paulus. Are you not carnal? Now the carnal man, guys, you're what we want to see this, is, is a believer but still lives with childish ways. He lives halfway between being born again, but not advancing. Actually, when I look what he's talking about, a, a carnal man, he fluctuates back and forth from doing what's right to not doing what's right. Actually, he's a man that's trapped, I believe, in being in Egypt, where we used to be, and the promised land, where I want to be. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you are, are identifying me. Well, I believe it's to help us, guys. I, I can't continue in this childhood state to progress and to go on to perfection. I'm going to have to get a hold of the Word of God. I'm going to have to start growing up. I'm going to have to start getting rid of some of the things I've done in my life, according to what he says. Because if I don't, guys, it will ultimately develop chronic heart disease. What does that mean? My heart will start becoming hard, guys. My heart will become hard toward God and toward the things of God. And you see that a lot of times, that people that have been born again for a long time in their life, but have never progressed at all, they're some miserable Christians. 
And you know what miserable Christians want to do? They want to make everybody else miserable. I don't want to be that way, guys. So what do I got to do? I got to press on to perfection. I got to go after these things. Now, I want to take you here into the, the Old Testament. Go with me to Genesis 6. And I want to look at two different people in the Bible. And guys, I want us to, to go ahead and look at their lives compared to our lives. Now, we're going to Genesis 6. And let me say this. It is quite possible to go to church every Sunday and yet not have forsaken the world. What do you mean by that? Well, we can change our title and call ourselves believers, but not change my actions and my behaviors. See, it's one thing to call myself a Christian. It's another thing to be a Christian. And he got over that in 1 Corinthians when he said, you act like mere men. That's what I'm talking about. See, just because I come to church and business, just because I identify myself as a Christian, See, you know what? I, I can wear a, a Tony Romo jersey in here the rest of the week, the rest of the football season. That doesn't make me a quarterback. But see, that's kind of what we've liked to do with church. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. Genesis 6, thank you for that energy, that excitement. Hallelujah. Genesis 6, verse 5. Now, this is the passage of a man named Noah. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, was that just because Noah was lucky that God pulled his name out of a bag? No. The reason this happened with Noah was Noah chose to be godly in an ungodly world. And you know what I begin to see when I look about this with Noah? He said, I would rather be more popular in heaven than with man. Now keep reading this. Boy, this gets good here. We can learn a lot from this guy. So this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect or blameless in his generation. Why? Noah walked with God. Now we look at the times there, it's so bad in this time frame, guys, God's going to destroy them all. This shows how wicked the earth had become, but it says right here, this man, guys, he pressed on. He was moving toward perfection. Keep reading here. Verse number 10, And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the reason that put in there is I believe it was showing here that a righteous man, a righteous daddy, is going to teach his children the way they should go. He's going to say, okay, boys, this is what we do around here. I believe it's so significant for us this, to, to this day, guys, to teach our children the Word of God, to teach them this is what we do. Keep reading. 
verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. A lot of them for violence says it was filled with lawlessness. Man, they were a bunch of robbers and thieves. Man, you start reading what they were, okay? So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. It gets bad, guys. And here's, here's the progression of sin. When sin comes into people's life, it starts in our private life. We don't want people to know what we're doing, but ultimately when a society keeps on sinning, it becomes accepted, and when it becomes accepted, people aren't shamed about it anymore, so now it's just out in the public. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It wasn't with this man named Noah, guys. You know what he said? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to press on to I'm going to keep serving God. And God said to Noah, The end of all the flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through, through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14. Make yourself an ark. And he tells about how he's to make this, this ark. And I begin to look at this, and I, I thought this, what would have happened if Noah would have thought, God's crazy. He wants me to build this ark? That doesn't make any sense at all. That's really stupid. Because you know what? God's not going to destroy the earth. God wouldn't do that. But many times, this is exactly how we've looked at the things of God right here. And when, when I, I look at what he's talking about here, guys, Noah had to say, that's not old school. That's not relevant to our society. See, I have people say that about this book right here. This book isn't relevant anymore. Really. It is relevant. And so what, uh, what ultimately had to happen with Noah was he had to understand this. My lifestyle can't go with what everybody else's lifestyle is. I'm going to have to live different and I'm going to have to be different. And guess what that means? You're not always going to be popular. Same chapter, look at verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. He didn't just talk about it, he did it. He separated himself. Now what would have happened if Noah would have said, God's crazy, I'm not going to do that. What would have happened to him? Same thing that happened to the rest of them. There would have been a lot of bubbles, and then oh Noah would have been floating, just like all of them. But you know what? He said, I'm going to separate myself, and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to press toward the calling, the high calling of God. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to do what's pleasing to God. And I see that more and more in our society, guys. It's easier and easier to try to identify with the world. I can't go that way. A couple pages to your right. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. Now, where are we at? We're at one of the patriarchs of the Bible named Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
Now, was God being a, a hard rear to Abraham? Get out of your family. Get out of your country. Get away from them. No. When you study Abraham's life, the reason God said to him that Abraham's own father was heavily involved in idolatry. He had idols all over the place. And so you know what Father God was telling him? If you don't get away from them, this is what's going to happen in your life. Do you think this was easy for Abraham to hear this? I've got to leave my family. And once again, we saw that last week. Where it says, man, there's times in our life we're going to have to, to prefer God over family, over spouses, over children. And so right here, Abraham could have got mad at God and said, you're crazy. I'm not going to sacrifice leaving my family or any of that. Here's the deal when I read this. Just like for me and you, Abraham had to forsake one thing in order to enter another. In order to have God's best for his life, he had to go against this flow, guys. Do you think Abraham was real popular with his family when this took place? Do you know what he said? I prefer God. Now listen what the Lord says to him here in verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now this is a great thing to confess over our own life. Woo, Father God, I thank you. You're blessing me. You're multiplying. You've made my name great. You've blessed me to be a blessing. But you know what? We can confess that and pray that over our own lives all we want. But you don't want to see where the key is? Look at verse 4. Look what it says here. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. You know what it came down to? Abraham said, I'm going to obey God no matter what the cost is. I'm going to live for God. And I believe this is important for each one of us to understand this. God wants to bless you. God wants the multiple. God wants your name to be great right here on this earth. But that happens only when I'm submitted to Him. I mean, when you read the, the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, the men and women that are in that chapter, you know why they're in there? Because it, it cost them. It cost them. Man, they lived a wonderful and blessed life. I mean, when you look at Abraham's life, not only was he blessed, but the, the, the generations after him and after him because a man said, I'm going to do what's right. And I believe this right now, guys. We've got to get away from the thought. How far can I go and God still be pleased with me? In other words, as humans, you know what a lot of times we try? We try to press the envelope as far as we can go. Well, if, if I just do this a little bit, guys, you know what God's after? Complete obedience. And he's after a heart that says, I'm going to press toward the things of God. I'm going to press toward to perfection. Does that mean I'll, I'll get there pretty quick? Probably not. But I keep pressing toward it. I just keep getting back up and I keep getting back up. And once again, guys, I don't believe God is telling us to be per, uh, perfect. But I do believe he's saying, seek it. Seek those things above. Have that desire to live. Please in my sight. And trust me.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.